Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Happy Friday to you, as the guy with the radio voice just said, is a Bud Light Football Friday. Uh, I uh, await my partner, Orlando Franklin, Mike Evans. Orlando Franklin, he'll be joining us. Here he is, sliding in the door just on time. Mike uh, and Orlando do the uh, the relay exchange. One guy out, one one guy in. Yeah, man. Um, I'm not used to being on the roads at this time in the morning, so i got to figure things out. I'm used to dropping off my, my, my son at school, but I'm not used to now jumping on the highway. Ah. Got to figure out that. These 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 phone things, yeah, they're, yes, you, they're awesome because yeah, you, you can you, actually program a couple of different stops on your maps function. It's pretty dope. You can you can do it the night before okay. and say, I'll be leaving the house at this time. Yeah. And it'll tell you the expected traffic at that time tomorrow. Yeah, but here's the issue. Here's where I fall into the issue. Drop off. Uh-huh. Dropping off my four and a half year old. Yeah. When there's now a million of people yeah. in that circle and all of a sudden nobody was going, nobody's doing this. And last night there wasn't traffic. And this morning there was a light out on university. Right. So does I'm this tracking. map mm-hmm. uh, account for that? Uh, they're pretty smart. The, okay. Those folks who uh, you know, tra- hey, those hey, systems. Hey, I, I will, I will definitely um, get on board. I will definitely um, at, at our at our break. I'm going to download that app that you're talking about <laughs> because I, I need help. I, I do need help in the morning time. So. All right, had to give you a little uh, little little pushback there for uh, showing up uh, a little late, but uh, good to see you, partner. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, man. It's like Football Friday. Uh, yes. So, you know, I, I think after this last week where we have been accused on the text line and uh, by various callers, I'm sure, of beating up a dead horse mm. and uh, not moving on and yeah. being negative Nancy's and every other possible term, you know, the text line could put upon it. Uh, now it's a chance to move a bit forward here. Uh, Houston Texans coming into town this weekend. Uh, it seems like it's a chance to kind of right the wrongs of, of last week. Yeah. Um, but, but... Since I got you here, and now we're on the show together, what was your reaction to to last week uh, and the coaching that uh, wasn't? Yeah. Um, so for me, Chad, I, I highlight three things out of last week. Honestly, everything else, in my opinion, is correctable. Uh, I look at the, the two times that the Broncos were at the goal line and they ran the ball out of shotgun. And, and I just want to see Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams and this whole offensive line get an opportunity to create an identity in the National Football League. And I believe that you could have did that by going under center, allowing these running backs to come downhill, see all 11 players on the defense, and and really make a quick decision now and try to go blast through that hole. Even if, you know, a guy like we saw it on the second play where Graham Glasgow didn't know that they had audible to run and thought it was still pass. Well, if Devontae Williams is coming downhill, and is able to see the whole defense. It doesn't matter that Graham Glasgow stands up and, and thinks that he's pass protecting in a situation like that because now Javante is going to be better equipped to now make that move and either bounce it outside or bend it back where he's not going to run into the back of him. 
When you're in shotgun as a running back, your first step is it's a lateral step. You're turning your shoulders. You now start looking at the sideline, and you just erase the, essentially half of the defense when you're running like that. So I have problems with that, especially when this football team has been known as a little bit of a finesse football team, a little soft, not innovative, whatever the heck you want to call it. You had opportunities to really say it's 11 versus 11 right here, and we're not going to be denied. And, oh, by the way, all 30 other teams in the National Football League, this is what you're going to have to deal with when we get down mm-hmm. at this area of the field. So I have that issue, um, and I, I've said it all week. I, I love Brandon McManus. I think I love what he's done with his career. I I watched him come in as a young buck, and then the fact that he was not good at kicking field goals, and then he kind of reinvented himself and, and became this Great field goal kicker with the big legs. So love what he's been able to do. But if Brandon McManus gets a vote and he's able to tell, you know, whether it's Dwayne Stukes, whether it's Nathaniel Hackett or whoever he's able to tell that I am good from 64 yards, well, Russell Wilson's vote, what you gave up for Russell Wilson, what you just paid him, being that he's the second highest paid player in the National Football League, Russell Wilson's vote accounts for 10 of Brandon McManus's votes. 10 times. Wow. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I just, like, I, I have issues with that, but they are right. It, we are beating a, a dead drum. We, it, it is, you know, on to Houston, but this is the harsh reality. The last couple years, for the last six years here in Broncos country, we've looked at the quarterback position, and we've been lied to over and over. There's been 11 different quarterbacks that have went out there and started games for the Denver Broncos. Whether you subscribe to the fact that John Elway said that Joe Flacco was heading his prime, <laughs> you subscribe to the fact that Case Keenum was going to bring some of the Minnesota miracle, right. or that Drew Locke was going to be able to take bigger strides forward, or the fact that Teddy was the savior. Whatever you want to subscribe to, it doesn't matter to me. But when you give up as much as you gave up for a quarterback that has won a lot of football, that has played a decade in this league, that continues to put his team on his shoulder and make players better, because let's be honest, Tyler Lockett is not this big mega millionaire, and and he doesn't have the success that he's had in this league if he doesn't have Russell Wilson at the quarterback. You could give him a quarterback that literally has to sit there even a Peyton Manning. If Peyton Manning was Tyler Lockett's quarterback, Tyler Lockett's not signing this big second contract becomes this household name because Peyton's getting the ball out of his hands quick. And Tyler Lockett is very undersized. So it's going to take Peyton to hold on to the ball a little bit longer to throw it deep. And that's one of the smartest quarterbacks in the game. So for the fact that Russell Wilson has been able to do this, I just truly believe that Nathaniel Hackett, being a young coach, you should lean on your veteran quarterback in a situation like that and have a quick discussion as far as what he's feeling or what he thinks she should do in that in that situation. Okay, all right. So yeah, let, let's uh, let's consider that a, a bow. Put, we put a, a bow, a cap on on last week, and so uh, much to the I'm sure Texas relief, we can move on to the Houston Texans and what's going to happen this week. I'm um, looking forward to uh, the rest of the show. Lots to certainly get into. You know, um, I guess I suppose kind of touching on last week. How do we get uh, this team to move on? Mm. Uh, what does Coach Hackett say to this team to get them to, to move on? Um, you know, what what is it going to take for us, guys who talk into microphones and cameras, mm. to be able to move on? Mm. Because if things repeat themselves, then no, now, now we can't move on as quickly as we would like. So when we come back, uh, we'll hear from Coach Hackett and, you know, what what needs to happen to be able to move on from last week's loss. That's next. Bust it. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. 
Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Yeah, I mean, we, we've already moved on. I mean, that's part of this whole thing. I mean, whenever you get into big games at all, this is a great preparation for our guys because there's always going to be adversity. You know, the season's a roller coaster. There's ups, there's downs, and it's how you respond to everything. It's how you respond to when you do good. If all of a sudden you do good and everybody thinks it's great, um, there's still so many things that you can correct and get better on. So I think it's just about staying, you know, right there, right in the middle of those two things and uh, just growing as a team, growing through the good and the bad. And I think that's what we've done up to this point. Oh, I think you and I are rare amongst radio hosts in that, uh, you know, we were in the locker room, we played, mm. but then we also went upstairs yeah. and spent time in coaching rooms. Um, so our analysis, our understanding of some of these things, I think is a little bit different than folks who are just kind of supposing and guessing. Uh, we've, we've walked the walk, we've talked the talk, we've, we've lived it. Uh, you did your uh, year-long experience with the 49ers uh, last season. Uh, I've done my four coaching internships, one of those being with the 49ers. Um, and so the different ways that uh, coaches are able to build a culture, uh, create a culture of confidence and belief and winning and all those kinds of things. Um, what uh, do you think uh, Coach Hackett said behind the scenes? We just heard what he said publicly. Mm. But how, what did he say in that Monday meeting? What did he say when they got back together? Well, actually, Monday. They played on Monday. Hmm. What did he say in that Wednesday meeting when they got back together after the Monday night loss? What did he say in that meeting to reestablish the direction forward? I, I think he had a tackle head on. You know, I, I, I know that when he got up there, the first time he talked to the media, he said, looking back at it, you know, uh, of course I would have went for it. And then he tries to justify the reasons why he, he did the field goal. But... You know how it is, Chad. You've been in those locker rooms like I've been in those locker rooms. You've also been in that coaching room like yep. I've been in that coaching room. Mm-hmm. And I've easily seen coaches say something in the media but come to the players and say something completely different. Right. Because you could lose a locker room uh-huh. if that's the excuse. If Nathaniel Hackett goes up there and what he told the media on Wednesday or Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. If that's how he addressed it to the team, there's going to start being some guys saying, man, I, I don't really like how how he's talking about this. Well, we should have went for it, and then he's justifying the fact. I think that he genuinely, genuinely went in there and apologized to the team and said, hey, you know what, guys? I messed that one up. That's on me. We lost that football game because of my decision at the end. I, I truly believe that that's how you have to handle it when you have 53 alphas in a room. You know, that's the big difference when you look at football versus other sports. And football, ultimate team sport. But each and every individual was an alpha at a, at a certain point. They were the big dog on their team. They were the, the shutdown corner or the big bad safety or whatever the case may be. Where you could get a basketball player make it to the NBA because, hey, he's a rebounder. He's not an incomplete. He's not that alpha. and he's, a, he's more quiet or in his shell because of it. A lot of football players, they're more just out there. So I, I know what he said publicly, Chad, but I truly believe that the conversations that we've seen publicly are not the conversations that have happened with the football team. Yeah, I have certainly experienced that as well. And I, I think, uh, you know, coaches always have to be uh, cognizant of, you know, the bottom five to six guys in the roster, maybe not uh, from a playing standpoint. I talked about this with uh, Nate earlier this week, but the bottom five, six guys from an attitude from a buy-in perspective, those bottom guys who are going to be the first guys in the locker room to complain. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to say some things to be able to 
almost address them. Because yeah. you've got buy-in from the top, you know, 45 guys. But those bottom, you know, like I said, five to eight guys in the roster, you've got to, as a coach, but how, them. how about this? It doesn't have to be just a, a bottom guy. How about a guy like Brandon Cooks? Extremely talented, right. but keeps on bouncing around. Probably one of those guys in the locker room are saying, you know, I haven't fully bought into this team. Right. Right. So even it could, I, I see what you're saying as far as a bottom guy, but it also could be a guy that you rely on as well that could ha- start creating those rumblings. Right. Well, what's, when I say bottom, I don't mean bottom as far as skill set or mm. status on the team, but as far as attitude and buy in. Oh, There's okay. always those guys in, you know, who are in the corner of the locker room and misery loves company. Uh, maybe coach yes, it does. Yes. And, you know, coach don't like me. I should be starting. I should be getting more playing time. And they take their, their personal issues and they start to complain and they want to drag other guys down with them. And the coaching decision on Monday night, um, if coach doesn't come in on Wednesday and set the record right with the team and have some, uh, you know, fall on the sword essentially and you know, have some self analysis and some blame yeah. and apologize to the team, then those bottom guys can go see. I told you coach sucked. Yeah. I told you he's not real. Also, I told you it's all a facade. Look at Nathaniel Hackett's um like his character, right? He yeah. wants to be up there, he's hugging guys and all uh, the big bear hugging. It's the 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 players coach. You have to do that if you're the players coach. Right. You you cannot sit there and just go be wrong and strong because you will lose wrong not even strong. five of those guys. You'll lose thirty of those guys. You'll lose half the locker room if you go in there and try to handle it a different way. Yeah. All right, well, the you know number one way that I have found in uh, every sport, no matter what I've played, uh, no matter what level I've played, to uh, get a bad taste out of your mouth is to go out and get a W. Winning cures all ills. Yes. Um, it, it, it'll get us. It'll change the subject for us. These uh, are microphone and camera warriors. It'll change the feeling of the fan base. It'll change the feeling in that locker room, and you'll get buy-in from those bottom five or six guys. Kind of. Those guys are still upset about playing time and other issues. Um, but there is a. Um, also, just real quick, though, yes. Chad, the first game of the season, right? Guys are going to be upset just because of how they were used. Right. You know, a guy like K.J. Hamler is looking saying, man, I'm only going to play like 20, maybe 30% of the snaps. Right. Like, I'm not I'm not a 70% guy or, or a 50% guy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a guy like D.J. Jones, man, I'm, 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 I don't get to start. Like, they started uh, Deshaun Williams and Mike Purcells and Draymond Jones. Right. And I know D.J. got in quick, but... That's those those things that start trickling in, right? Mm-hmm. Albert O, yeah, you were the plan, but we saw you didn't get in the game until the sixth snap of the game, right? right. It was Tomlinson and, and Sober, and right? Beck, yeah. And Beck was coming out the backfield, right? Right. So it's these things. A guy like Calvin Anderson, starter, all the, all offseason. Then a couple di- – then like right before – it's Cam, Cam Fleming. Fleming. Right. Right. So, like, there's a lot of things that are going on where guys will take steps back and be like, okay, coach, you got to show me. You got to show me. So that's why winning is so important for the Broncos this week. Yeah, there is. There's some hurt, uncertain feelings in the locker room. Uh, then you couple that with the loss. Uh, and then you couple that with a, a coach who, you know, uh, may or may not have handled that, that loss incorrectly within that locker room. Yeah, there, there are seeds of dissension that are in the ground. Whether they get watered, whether they full, full, uh, fully grow into trees of dissension, uh, we'll have to see. But a win this weekend would be the best way to kind of not put any water on that seed and start to kind of cut all that off before it starts. A convincible win. Ooh. Can't squeak by. Really? Home opener. I truly believe But a win is a win is a win. Yes. For this fan base, absolutely. You are right, right for the fan base, right? Because we've went through the last six years, and we've went through Monday night. But for these players, 
it's got to be not just. It's the Houston Texans. It's a team that the, the not, whole Eddie Murphy the, thing doesn't apply. No, it's starving man in the desert. You give him a cracker. He's like, that's the best cracker I ever had. <laughs> this, this a win is a win is a win, right? <laughs> You know when the schedule came out, how this team viewed the first half of this season. Right. You know what they were saying. Oh, when? Oh, when? Okay, San Francisco, a grind, but maybe we pull this out. Right. You know how the thought process, but now you're going into this week two, and it's 0-1. Mm-hmm. You, you, you haven't taken care of business. So I truly believe when you go to, against a team with a, a, a Mills and, you know, they're trying to reinvent players, and, and defensively, I don't really think that Houston has a lot. You get an opportunity to insert your dominance, but it needs to be the mindset of let's get to 35 points. Let's see how fast we could get to 35 points. Let's see if we could get some of our young guys some reps. I know Justin Simmons is hurt this week, but if Justin Simmons was going, let's see how quick we could get uh, Caden Stearns out, out there and, and, and get him some reps and, and keep on developing him. When you get these opportunities against teams that you they shouldn't even be on the same field as you, You have to find the way to make sure that you're firing on all cylinders and that it's all clicking. And I know it's a short week. I get it. But we saw this offense be explosive. We saw some timing issues with Russell Wilson. We saw how they were using Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. You have to almost do a complete 180 in the course of a week, Chad. Mm -hmm. And that's running the football a lot more than you're throwing it because – this past week, the game was never out of reach, but yet you threw the ball. You tried to throw the ball forty-three times. So I really think that it has to be, man. Like, hey, we 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 controlled our dominance, and there's nothing that we could say after this game that it was on the coaches. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. truly believe it has to be one of those types of games on Sunday to to keep this locker room and keep the guys having belief in the coaching staff and having belief in each individual and the scheme that they're trying to implement. From a coaching standpoint, you mentioned it's a, it's a short week. Uh, give us a, a quick breakdown, um, because it is a short week. A lot of the work for the Houston Texans, a lot of uh, your responsibility when you were at the Niners, you were watching, I'm sure, tape a couple of games ahead yes. and getting all your notes prepared. Break down that process. Yeah, so from a coaching standpoint, you know, a coach's weekend starts on Friday in the National Football League. Friday at 1 p.m., you're done practice. The players are jogging off. The coaches are sprinting off because, you know, they get to go home and they get Friday afternoon all the way until 8 a.m. on on Saturday morning. So you get about 20 hours and that's your weekend for for a coach. Um, But you're constantly working ahead. So whenever you kind of get done, whatever you got done for that week, now you're moving ahead. So there was players, there's coaches for the Broncos that were looking at Houston last week, last week, Thursday night. Thursday late night, Wednesday late night, when you've got everything done for your coach or your respected position, you always work ahead as a coach because you're always backed up against the wall. Player-wise, it's you still get your day off, you come in, and, and it, you don't see the behind the scenes. But when Nathaniel Hackett got home on Monday night, late Monday night, I promise you there was a couple people that immediately had to walk into that building. Quality control guys, you, when the, the players and the, the coaches, they're, they're getting in their cars and they're going home because you just landed here in Colorado and got back to UC Health Center at 3 o'clock in the morning, quality control, you're walking in the building. I was one of those guys that are walking in the building at, at that point and getting on the computer because I got to break down now a Houston and who Houston played last week because I had to have that ready for the coaches in the morning. So coaches will typically come in now on a Tuesday, just after the Broncos played on Monday night. Coaches will be in there first thing. They're meeting at 8 a.m. 
right? A lot of coaches are going to show up at six, six fifteen. You're going to you try. You got to take a look at the film. You got to have a grade on your guy before you you go watch it with the head coach. And then after that, you get about a three hour window before the co- before the players are in their meetings because the players have to lift. They have to do treatment. And stuff like that. During that three hours, that's when you're scrambling and you're you're looking at Houston and you're and you're getting to you're starting to do the running cards and the passing cards and stuff like that. So you're kind of always about two days ahead of the players from the coach's standpoint. Whenever you're getting ready to install something, you know, if you want to install the run game on Wednesday, you're really building that thing on Monday. So coaches are always really two days ahead. That's what I would say. Okay, right on. Good stuff. All right, when we come back, uh, Big O knows something a little bit about this Houston Texans defense. Uh, he will break it down what the Broncos need to do. That will be next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Ice, ice, baby. Ice, ice, baby. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. It is a Bud Light Football Friday. It's also a little bit of a guilty pleasure Friday as well. Tossing some of those uh, songs on that uh, you bob your head to, but you feel a little ashamed at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Orlando Franklin sitting in for Nate Jackson. Uh, last year, your 49ers mm. faced the Houston Texans yeah. when Lovey Smith, now the head coach for the Houston Texans, was the D.C. So uh, break down to us what the Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos offense should expect from the Houston Texans defensively. Um, so they're going to play back first. That, that's what they're going to do, right? You have to make these linebackers commit to the run game. So last year when I was with San Fran and we knew that we were going with, with Trey Lance and we know that Trey was an option to run the football, we would do a lot of empty stuff and, and let Trey run the ball to get them thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, yes, they're, they're going five wide right now and, you know, they're, they're in whatever personnel they're in, but they're going empty. So, and typically when you have empty, they, they want to throw the football, but they have the unique opportunity to run the football with their quarterback in situations like that. So we got them to come up by going empty and running the ball with Trey Lance. And Trey was very successful mm-hmm. going downhill, you know, um, being able to get explosive runs. And now immediately after that, because you, you want to be able to throw the ball. Right. right. So it's a passing league. Everybody wants to throw it. Everybody wants the shiny toys and the touchdowns. And, you know, so we, we got a big one to Debo. Debo was physical. Um, I don't think that Houston's defensive back room is physical at all, but it's all about getting them to now go to an eight-man box. They're going to start off light, but you have to force them to now say, we got to go to an eight-man box because they're killing us in the run game. And when you do that, that's when you start getting the explosive plays, the big chunks down the field. That's when now a guy like Cortland Sutton can, can not only catch the ball, but actually have an opportunity to just embarrass somebody in the open and field because he could bring more physicality. So it's all about getting them to be uncomfortable in their scheme because they want to play with a light box if you're going to go empty but you got to force them to have that threat of the run. So it needs to be a steady dose of Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon to start off this game this Sunday. Obviously, uh, I don't think Nathaniel Hackett is going to use Russell Wilson the same way Kyle Shanahan used Trey Lance. Yeah. So the, the, the quarterback runs, um, I would say, outside of some pretty isolated circumstances, 
are not going to be a staple for this offense. Yeah, but at the same time, right, there's other ways to, to, to get accomplished that, right? You could go empty. You could run quick little screens out where just like, hey, you've you got to get up, right? You could run screens in, with your tight end being in empty and your tight end's attached to the line of scrimmage. Um, you don't have to go empty. It's all about getting this run game going. You right. can literally line up and put Russell Wilson under center and just Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon back there and run against a little bit of a lighter box. But it's all about now making them uncomfortable and getting out of their too high safety shell right. and now inserting that other one of those safeties into the box where now it's an eight-man box. I mean, I, I think uh, – it what you described sounds like almost every offensive coordinator outside of guys like uh, maybe Mike Martz in the past and people like that who were just so slavish to the pass game. Uh, everybody wants to get, yeah, bring an eighth, uh, eighth guy down to the box. Hmm. Let me throw the ball, get some explosives now against three defenders back there. Uh, that's a formula for success for everybody. Yes. Every coach knows this. Uh, I, I, I ran down the stat uh, the last week about uh, you have a 100-yard rusher, you have a 73.9% chance of winning a football game. You have a 300-yard passer, it's down to 60%. Oh. So the stats play out. But why is there constantly a Monday money, Monday morning quarterbacking by us in the media going, well, how come they didn't run the ball more? Mm. If we know the run game works, if we know it is the clearest statistical example of victory, uh, when you have a 100-yard versus, versus a 300-yard passer, that gives you a much better chance for success. Why do we have a coach like Nathaniel Hackett, who we think of as... Smart coach. Mm. We talk about, well, how come Javante didn't get more carries? Why why do we have all these pass attempts? I think it's two things, right? I mean, I think you trust in the fact that Russell's been in the big game more than Javante Williams. So, hey, let's put the the ball in his hands more than we're going to put it in the running back hands. Where, for me, I think the score should always dictate kind of what you're doing in a game. If the score is close or you have the lead, the run game should be heavily implemented because right. I'd rather have my offensive linemen go forward rather than backwards. Mm-hmm. The biggest mismatch in the National Football League for me is me going against you right. when you played outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're 50 years old and still could dunk. I'm 34 <laughs> years old, and I don't know how many more years that I have, Chad, but I'm squeaking that thing in there right now. Right. It, it's just it's just a mismatch right. from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So I'm always in favor of having those offensive linemen go forward. But it's also a passing league, and that's what you see. You see Justin Herbert last night get absolutely crunched, and you're wondering if he you know, punctured a lung and how many ribs are cracked right now. And then what does he do the play after that on fourth and one? He goes out there and throws an absolute dime. dime. The thing was right. beautiful. Beautiful <laughs> pass. Right. And, and then you see, we watch Twitter erupt. Right. right, And then there's comments about the coaches and stuff like that. Man, that's amazing. And nobody's even talking about Brandon Staley. Nobody's talking about, well, could he have coached the game better? The only thing people are talking about is, look what Justin Herbert came back and did. And, oh, my goodness, they should have saw that the wide receiver wanted to get out the game and he was a little bit banged up. And, you know, um, if he runs that a little bit or if Justin Herbert sees that the wide receiver is a little bit banged up, he doesn't throw the ball to him. Right. So there's no pick six right there. But it's not on the coaches, right? When you're letting these quarterbacks put on a show. So I, I think it's just these these coaches get caught up into 
the narrative of, of what the NFL should be, and it's a passing league, and, and then they call 43 plays that, that Russell Wilson's supposed to throw the ball, and rather than sitting there and saying, man, these running backs are running hard, the game is not out of line, let me get my quarterback under center so the communication is better in a hostile environment, but also let me get everybody going downhill and trying to dominate this other team. Dominate. Going downhill. You got a back like Javante Williams, whether he's Toting the rock as a runner or catching those flare passes and punishing, punishing DBs. You've got to get this dude some touches because the effect that he has on a defense. I've played against backs where some of my my teammates were afraid to tackle that guy. Body blows. There is a psychological effect to that, and it wears you down over the course of a ball game. And so for Nathaniel Hackett to lose track of that weapon, which not only gets you yards, but begins to weaken a defense mentally. Mm. The more touches you give Javante, the weaker we get defensively. He imposes his will against us. Safeties and cornerbacks, they don't want to see that dude. They don't want nothing to do with that dude. And then what happens in the fourth quarter? Right, he breaks it. He breaks one, and then what's the safety going to do? He's going to go out there, he's going to try to go low. Yeah. But he's going to telegraph it, and Javante's going to be easily now able to make a move on him because you've already instilled that that fear in him, and you've hit him with those body blows after body blows. You think 27 after he went out the game that he wanted to tackle 33 ever again? No. The dude was holding his shoulder. He wanted wanted no part of Javante. And then... Not only that, does the safety have to come up and start to go low, but then the safety starts creeping up to, to defend the run, yeah. and that's where you get your explosive. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, um, for this week, hopefully there's a return to the run game. Hopefully Javante has a number of touches, and, and Melvin too, because um, both those guys together can impose their will on the defense. But Javante is a special weapon that has a psychological effect on the defense that Melvin just simply doesn't bring. It's all about that psychological warfare, in my opinion, Chad. The first time the Broncos went empty formation this year resulted in a 67-yard touchdown. You don't think that Clint Hurt, the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, was was on the the microphone with with his coaches up there and, hey, make sure you let me know if they go empty again because that's just what happens in the National Football League, right? When you're exposed and a a team is able to get you on something that rears its, its head the first time, now you're on high alert for when it happens again. If Javante Williams is out there delivering body blow after body blow, it not only it, it not only affects the players that are out there, it also affects this defensive coaching staff that you're going against. And now you do, they're in a guessing game where they're not playing and calling the game the way that they anticipated it or they wanted to when they were going into the game. Uh, we got some numbers from last week's game. 42 passing attempts for Russ, 20 total rushes for the running backs. When we come back, let's talk about what that should be look like this week. That's next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. What you gonna do with all that junk? All that junk inside your trunk. I'ma get, 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 get you drunk. Get you love drunk off my hump. My hump, my hump. That's okay. Oh, you can bob your head over there. Hey, listen, I love music, Chad. That's one thing you're gonna learn about me. And I'm I'm all over the place. Oh, I get I get down with all kind of music for sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, you if you were to go into, I've got one of those giant old school. Uh, iPods. It's got like thirty five thousand songs in it. You still rocking iPod? Oh, uh, because it's, it's like it's like a music vault. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I know people do this, all the streaming services, but the streaming services don't have the 
remixes and the bootlegs and the live albums and all that. So yeah. I've got all the regular stuff, but I've got all that other stuff that's just not going to be available other places. That yeah. you know, uh, like that kind of Napstery kind of stuff from back in the day. Yeah, well, you better hope that nothing happens to it because in about two three years, something happens to that thing. It's not going to be available to fix that thing. Uh, they are actually that's iPod Classic is what it's called. I think they're going for like twelve hundred bucks mm, on Amazon. Okay. So I'm not the only one. Oh, make some make some money off that thing. Who, who, who's you know holding on to this relic because. There's, it is literally the most, I suppose you could walk around with a hard drive, you know, in your hand, mm. but it, that's essentially what it is. It's a hard drive with an interface on it to allow you to access tons and tons of music in ways that you couldn't do it otherwise. So are you like one of those guys that sit there through the iPod and you like scan through and like, this is what I want to hear? Or, you know, for me, Pandora is good enough for me uh-huh. because I just, hey, you know, uh, let, let's do some 112. That's what I'm feeling like. Let's do some Biggie today and just put on that station and just kind of just let it ride out right. depending on what I'm feeling. But when you have all those songs in your iPod now, it's over 12,000 songs or whatever. 35,000. 35,000. Are you like searching through it or do you just uh, just here we go and just let that thing ride? Sometimes I'll close my eyes, you know, the iPod wheel. I'll kind of spin it forwards and backwards a couple times and look at the screen and go, all right. Let's That's what I'm listening to right now. Okay. I right. like it. Apparently That's it's awesome. gonna be a it's gonna be a Willie Nelson couple hours. And yeah, I'll go yeah, to some yeah. Willie Nelson or oh my gosh. All right. Looks like it's gonna be some some Mozart. All right, I'm gonna get down with that for a bit. Nice. So the uh, eclectic music taste has always been a, a part of my world. Uh, you know, as a guy, uh I've done my, you know, my my DNA. Uh, I'm from 27 different places around the world. So I think my musical tastes reflect that. Nice. Yes. Um, I just grew up with a single mom, so I listened to Kenny G. I listened to Michael Bolton. I listened to the Boys to Men. That's right. what was rocking in my household growing up. And, you know, now today's music, today's genre, generation, especially hip-hop and rap, I don't even touch it. And I truly believe that what these guys are talking about in today's rap and hip-hop is absolutely ridiculous. And these guys have <laughs> no idea. bad. <laughs> these guys have no idea the influence that they have, or they don't care the influence that they do have in today's generation. Because like it or not, I used music as a big, you know, stepping stool of when I was happy or when I was sad or or whatever the case. It, it, it helped me with my mood. It helped me through life growing up. You know, so these guys to be putting out some of these things nowadays and talking about some of the stupidness that they're talking about and having such a negative influence on the younger generation is absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. Wow. I mean, we could do a, a whole, not just a show, a couple of shows on that kind of thing. You know, to come up with, uh, you know, a little bit more conscious hip hop and public enemy and folks like that, where I was actually listening and learning. And, oh, that's interesting. Let me go study this and read about what you're talking about there right. versus uh, some of the, we'll just call it lower brow yeah. topics of today's music. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel what you're what you're putting down, my you friend. You know, Chad, we, we both played football, and when you played, you played in an era where they were giving you painkillers left, right, and center, right? And they would shoot you up to get you through it, and you, we just watched some injuries happen this week, right? We know that Justin Simmons is going to be out, out. We know that um, Quinn, and My- Quinn Miners has that, um, that hamstring, grade yeah. two. Mm-hmm. I've had a grade two hamstring, and I've gotten it shot up in order to go back in the game, right? Where you take these things and now they affect you a certain way. Well, I've but there's no secret. I, I publicly have talked talked about this, and, and I will continue to talk about this because I don't want to see what I've went through happen to somebody else. I've been addicted to opioids because of football before. 
And in today's rap and hip hop, when they're talking about opioids, like it's a cool thing and telling the younger generation about these things. I think it's just it, it's it's frustrating because I know what it took for me to get off of it. When when I was in the NFL, it was here you go and we're going to micromanage this. And all of a sudden, you know, week in, week out, you're just doing what you got to do to play. And then you're full blown addicted where now you have you have to worry if you have children that have the music that they're listening to because these pop stars or, or rappers or whatever the case may be are telling the kids like, hey, this is cool. When it's not. It's mm-hmm. not cool at all. And it's a, it, it could lead you into addiction and it could mess your life up. I've seen too many people mess their life up with that. So so that's why for me, um, I know it's long and we're going all over the place, but I got to check out that iPod of, of yours with the 35,000 songs because I bet you I could get down with a lot of those musics and a lot of the genres that are on that thing. I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. And uh, we... Or, Normally, when Nate and I don't have, aren't together, we don't do a distraction segment. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll we'll put your commentary right there. We'll, we'll classify that as today's distraction segment. So, thank you for the public uh, <laughs> educational announcement. Seriously, sorry, I, I'm not trying to mess up. No, no, it doesn't. doesn't. it's a great message. Yeah. It's true. You know, I certainly had my issues in college with some uh, painkillers yeah. as well. And uh, after that, I made a policy. I just don't do that. You know, the day after surgery, sure. But two days after surgery, I'm just going to grit my way through this yeah. because uh, I'm, I'm not going to be in that place where I was in college where I was asking my teammates, hey, man, I know you got hurt. Mm. Hook me up. Yeah. Give me a couple of those. Yeah, yeah that's not a place to be. Yeah. That's an ugly place to be. And it's a desperate, dark place to be. Uh, luckily, I had a, a trainer who was able to kind of put his arm around me and slowly wean me off and get me back to a place of, uh, you know, normalcy. Yeah. For yeah. me, it was my wife. You know, um, my the year I left the Broncos in, in 2014, I went to the Chargers and I, I tore my MCL. I tore my MCL probably about week four. And they were like, hey, you know, you could play through this. We're going to manage this thing. And cool. You know, I'm, I'm just going to be a good old soldier. I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. Perfectly fine. Well, me being a good old soldier and doing what they asked me to do went from the fact that they would give me a, a little something to take the edge off during the game but then I started needing it for Wednesday for practice, mm-hmm. and it was it was accessible to me. Then I started needing it not only on Wednesday, but I needed it on Thursday. Then I needed it on Friday. And then before I knew it, at the end of the season, I was taking 240 milligrams of Oxycontin each and every day. Well, my wife looked at me and said, okay, we're going upstate New York. We're going to figure this thing out. I can't check myself in to a, a rehab facility. The third highest paid guard in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be on tabloids and everything. I'm, I'm really afraid of what's going to happen next, but I know that I'm dependent on this thing. It's every single day. That's what I'm thinking about. I can't wait. I, I don't function. I, I'm functioning at a high level. I, I can't even sit in meetings unless I'm on this thing. Right. Because just because of how it was handled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I spent, I spent 14 days in upstate New York in Poughkeepsie, New York in a hotel with my wife in 2015, right after the Broncos won the Super Bowl, and I detoxed, mm-hmm. and it was just me and her, and I was went through the cold sweats, sat there, you know, slept on the bathroom floors and stuff like that. So a lot of people don't know that just because you're a professional athlete, a lot of people think that you got your life is just great and you have everything figured out. I was in a dark place. I was in an extremely dark place, and and what really helped me get out of that dark place was the fact that my wife did it with me together. We weren't married at the time. We then got married later on that off season, but ultimately she ended up giving me an ultimatum and she said, listen, 
if you do this ever again and, and you allow this to happen ever again, I'm, I'm not going to stay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave. And, and I truly believe that saved my life because you're talking about asking your college teammates, well, I was a second-round pick. And then became the third highest paid guard in the league. Right, I, I could have got it from anywhere. If the coaches were, if the, the athletic staff is not going to give it to me, or if Buddy didn't have surgery, I could get that. And I just look at today and and, and how these rappers and, and I listen to the music and and they think that that stuff is cool and it's not. You know that that's like Chad. Your your kids are older, so you, you you don't struggle with this. But I'm sure at one point you were thinking about this. Not a day goes by that I don't think about. God forbid my son get like touches fentanyl one time. Right. You know, that, that, that's scary. That and can you, be the one time only kind yeah, of thing. And, yeah. you, and you see what's going on in today's world. And, and I just know how quick and how easy it was for me to spiral. So when I watch football players go out there and I watch a Quinn Myers get hurt and I, and I watch a Justin Simmons get hurt, all I'm saying is just take your time, young fellow. Like, yeah. You got a long time. Take your time. Don't, don't, you know, sit away from this thing. I'm happy. I know Justin Simmons, Iron Man, 66 games, and I know he must be frustrated that he can't go. But, yes, this probably is a, a good thing for him, being that there's nothing that we could shoot up. No, you have to shut him down. There's no painkiller that you could get him to get him through it. You have to shut him down in this case because it, it's a slippery slope. Now, for me, it was just back in college, so uh, OxyContin wasn't a thing. Thank goodness it was not. It was more codeine-based. Um, so, uh, you know, not, not as powerfully addictive, um, as Oxycon. So luckily, um, you know, when they talk about rappers sipping syrup, it's usually a codeine based cough syrup. So to get me off the codeine pills, they gave me some cough syrup every day, a little bit less, and a little bit less, and a little bit less. Nice. Took about two months to kind of slowly wean me off yeah. because I need the pills to wake up. I need the pills to go to bed. Yeah. I needed both. And so I was like, this is. I had to go to the trainer, and it was like, I'm in a bad place, man. I can't wake up and go to class. Uh, yeah. like, literally, everything hurts unless you unless you, you, you take that pill. Right. Like, and I can't go to bed. Something's got to happen here. Yeah. So we had a long talk, and he slowly weaned me off. And uh, I'm just grateful that you know something more powerfully addictive like OxyContin wasn't available because mm. it would have been a much more difficult road. I probably would have had to get some professional help like you did. But uh, wow. All right, so when we come back. How about that for your distracting? Yeah, how about segment? that? Yes, how about that? The little real life with Big O and Chad and the, uh, the awesomeness that football can and cannot be sometimes. Uh, when we come back, we need to dive into these numbers from last week and what we need to see those numbers look like this week. 42 passing attempts, 20 rushes, a little bit unbalanced for us. We'll talk about what that needs to look like against Houston Texans. That's next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.